What's up, everyone, and welcome to Good Morning on Purpose, a daily podcast that aims to evoke a sense of positivity and possibility in your day. This is my first ever attempt at podcasting and serves as a process for me personally to overcome some obstacles and difficulties that I've experienced over the last many years, months, or even days. If nothing else, I can promise a positive or motivational message, an atmosphere of honesty, and a friendly hello from someone you've likely never met. Although there are many things in life that are likely out of your control, your perspective is yours alone, and from that perspective, the choices we make and the things we think impact our daily outcomes. So with that in mind, and without further ado, from me to you... Good morning. It is January 29th, 2024, and today it was in the 40s again. It's been funny trying to start the day with this podcast. I literally go out of my way to find a way to start my day with positivity, to have a good morning on purpose. And it's a great separation from what work is going to look like or what the rest of the day is going to look like. And of course, what I'm trying to do is also give you a vehicle to do the same thing, just in a much more condensed time frame and without the pressure of having to actually do it. Life can really be a grind sometimes. Most of us have to work. Some of us are blessed with loving work. But there are only so many hours in the day. It's really easy for so much of our experience to be headspace, where that headspace is things that we need to do or things that we're trying to accomplish in the future. Essentially, a lot of the time, the present is work or recovering from work or thinking about work or what work is trying to get to get us to. Waking up, getting ready for work, going to work, being at work for hours, and maybe an extra commute that you have to commit to in the meantime, to and from, coming home, making dinner, watching TV, go to bed, texting and social mediaing along the way, and that being day after day. I have definitely been on that grind and probably will again sometime soon. In a similar way, I spend a lot of time indoors writing, a lot of time indoors on video calls with clients, reading about what's trending in my field, or reviewing old notes, or learning, taking certifications, just staying up to date as a professional. Sometimes it all rushes by in a blur. Having this hour, two hours, three hours, depending on what time I wake up in the morning, to sit in my experience, to watch the sunrise, to start things slowly and kind of live before the day starts. It's really comforting, even when it's only about 10 minutes walking outside and taking a picture, looking around and trying to appreciate things. I've been in this limbo where it's hard to see things for quite a while, and now I'm in a limbo where I can half see things and half not, and my other surgery's around the corner and I don't know when it's gonna be. Being so apprehensive and excited about being on the other side of this particular vision issue is pretty topsy-turvy. But, of course, as I say with many things, that's life, isn't it? We're all going through something, we're all going through periods or seasons. Some, some are rough and some are great. While you're going through it, it's literally the experience of what you're going through. How you remember it will be based on how you experienced it. And after it's done and you're moved on to the next thing, it's just a footnote. It's something that happened in the past. It's a memory, something that was documented or shared with other people. And sometimes it's just completely forgotten. I've been reading Descartes recently and watching too many videos on TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube 
about artificial intelligence, about wars and conflict in the world, about upcoming politics, <laughs> and literally the end of times revelation, the end of the world. It's a little intense out there right now. And at the same time, there are theorists out there that think that we live in a simulation, or there's the brain exercise of imagining being a brain in a vat. In which case, none of this is, is real, or it's only real to us, which is a wild thing to think about, something that I could talk about for way too long, and will try not to. But I've been reading Descartes recently, and Descartes has a thought experiment similar to this, so I wanted to speak about it today. The first thing I'll mention is um, I am a lover of science fiction and fantasy, as I've mentioned. Um, I also watch anime at times, and I read, <laughs> I can, a bit too much. So I've encountered these storylines. Oh, there was a movie recently. Let me look at it. It was called The Creator, which may be a better, more mainstream example of these storylines that I'm speaking about. Or even Blade Runner, if uh, that's a better reference for people. We have artificial intelligence now, and it's modeled after neural networks and does what it does based on search references and certain inputs and how you program it. And I'm sure all of this is going to take off wildly in the next few weeks, months, and years completely changing how the world looks. It's already affected people's jobs, it's affected how companies operate, it's impacted people like artists and writers. It's an amazing tool that you can use to do quite a few things. An interesting theme in a lot of science fiction is whether artificial intelligences feel as though they have consciousness, whether they're people, whether they know that they're real people or not. It ties into some of this brain in a vat simulation theory conception about like what it is to be a person, what is it to be real, what makes us people compared to the machines that we've created that are modeled after how we think. It's uh, an increasingly prevalent and relevant thing to think about. I think and laugh a lot at that scene in, I think it was the first Terminator, where Sarah Connor gets a call and the call goes to voicemail. The person on the other side of the line doesn't know, so uh, she says, you know, hello, this is Sarah Connor. She pauses, and then she, she laughs and says, ha, you're talking to a machine. Funny scene. We don't really, I mean, I guess, yeah, we don't really have voicemail recorders that work that way anymore. Um, but a lot of the time now, if you contact customer service, if you are in a chat with someone, or sometimes even just on the phone, you're talking to a machine, you're talking to a robot. It's got a voice, it's able to communicate in complete sentences, and a lot of the time it's able to help you with your problem. And probably more and more as time goes on. The world is changing such that a lot of the time you won't know if you're talking to a machine. Another common theme in a lot of these science fiction worlds, universes, and stories. And now I join you from uh, having slept a bit and having scrubbed the next like 10 minutes of audio about me trying to ex exhaustedly describe simulation theory, the brain in a, thought, brain in a vat thought exercise, and a whole bunch of other <laughs> rambling. Not that I'm necessarily going to do any better here. Essentially, in very short summation, simulation theory has some advanced civilization or post-human or superhuman society or intelligence that has created some sort of simulation that we're all living in. Most commonly and popularly, this means that there could be many simulations running and that those simulations would be indistinguishable from whatever true reality is or was. To me, it becomes very screwy and goes off the rails very fast 
given that we live here, or at least I do, and I have the perspective that I do, of my life. It's quite a bit to zoom out and imagine different layers of possible simulations and things like that. There was a cool Black Mirror episode about this on Netflix that was pretty topsy-turvy. Also talked about AI and um, writer strikes and things like that. There's a thought exercise that's been around for quite a while about being a brain in a vat, where a mad scientist has created you or taken your brain and put it into a vat, and you're fed all the nutrients that the brain needs, and your experience is this created, similar simulation. It's this created experience of what you see, hear, feel, that reality is all being fed to you, and you are actually just a brain in a vat. I think that this is maybe like a more old-school version of, of a similar thing with the simulation theory. We've also had a lot of talk, especially in popular media, about multiverses and multiple dimensions. Even with time branching out, every decision you make creates a new multiverse or new dimension where you did or didn't make a certain decision, and all of it branches out into infinity, I'm assuming. And we live in an infinite universe, and we're branching all those infinite universes into multiple other universes every second of every day, all nine billion of us, plus all the other interactions that could possibly have happened in the world. It's a lot. It's a lot to think about. This brings me to some reading I was doing a few days ago by Rene Descartes, a 17th century philosopher. My understanding is that skepticism was kind of emerging to a great degree around his time, and it was causing some some skepticism, some doubt about reality or about the sciences that we were developing at the time. So what Descartes did was took skepticism or doubt and turned it into a way of affirming truth. Instead of being in this constant state of not knowing what's real or not knowing what's true, he created a process of eliminating a lot of that doubt and breaking the world down into absolutes and frameworks and foundations that you could then move forward from. And again, this is just my understanding. I don't have any formal education in philosophy or any of this stuff. I'm, uh, you're to some degree you're along for the ride with how I'm thinking about these things. Descartes has some really fun, topsy-turvy arguments that explore different topics like whether you can deceive God, or what dreams really are. And one really cool version of these is his evil demon exercise. Way back in the 1800s, Descartes had this idea in this scenario. There's an evil demon, and it can make you believe that you have a body, that we live in a physical world, that we use our senses and reason correctly, and that we perform mathematical calculations correctly, which is an interesting one. Uh, But that none of these things are true. Every single thing about your existence, not just your senses, but your whole reality, even the things that you think, are being fed to you by this evil demon. Here's a quote I found. I will suppose, therefore, that not God, who is supremely good and the source of truth, but rather some malicious demon of the utmost power and cunning, has employed all his energies in order to deceive me. I shall think that the sky, the air, the earth, colors, shapes, sounds, and all external things are merely the delusions of dreams, which he has devised to ensnare my judgment. I shall consider myself as not having hands or eyes, or flesh or blood or senses, but is falsely believing that I have all of these things. Descartes came to the conclusion that if nothing else existed, the only thing that you could know is that you think things. I mean, reality, the things that you interact with, your body, everything, all those things might not be real. So all you have left is the thoughts, the constant narrative or conversation that you have in your head, your ability to reason and process things. You would exist as your thinking self. To me, this this speaks largely to something that I talk about a lot and feel strongly about, which is perspective. In all of these scenarios, 
the catch is that you as a person who's listening to this podcast have your life, your experiences, your memories. You've never been me or anyone else as far as I know to be possible. When you make a decision, you can't go back and see what the you that made a different decision did. You can't visit other multiverses. We can't go back in time. If this is a simulation, then we're in the simulation. We're not outside of the simulation. And if we're a brain in a vat, then everything that you conceive of to be real, your body, your experiences, your memories, all of it is fake. If this is the case, there's likely nothing we can do about it. It's essentially like just saying, life exists and you are, and the existence you have either is or isn't. And what are you going to do with that? Either you exist or you don't. And if you don't exist, then what are you doing listening to this podcast right now? Does it serve a purpose to figure out that we're in a simulation that can't be broken or whatever? And would you want to stop that function in the first place? It's almost like a religious crossing crossing over to the other side or to an afterlife to say that everything you've experienced about this world, this existence, is one thing, but then you're going to step over to something else. And here's a little bit where I'm getting to my point for today. If all of life is a simulation, then you can either accept that it's a simulation or you can accept that it's not a simulation. It really doesn't change that much unless you have some way to impact that truth. Similar with multiverses and time travel, we're on a linear path and it just is how it is. If we're a brain in a vat, then we're a brain in a vat that doesn't know we're a brain in a vat until we know we're a brain in a vat, at which point, again, the simulation would be over anyway. But another version of this to me is your perspective. I don't know what it's like to be anyone but myself, and I can empathize or try to sympathize. I can share and converse and talk with other people, but I'm still only myself, and you are only yourself as well. It's the exact same thought experiment. Eight billion people in this world are all just as much in their own perspective as you are. And each person's perspective is like a whole existence of experience, however long or short it might be. Each person is just a span of experience. And in that way, we're all exactly the same and none of this really matters. Or it's monumentally important, but only to you for your experience because everyone else has their own life. For me, this has two different avenues to go down as well. We can either focus just on ourselves and not care about the individual experience of everyone else, or we can all care about the experience of many people. We all know what it feels like to feel good, and we all know what it feels like to feel not so great. And we can literally intersect with and impact the realities of a whole existence, a whole another person. What that experience is, how we perceive it, is so based on how we think and feel. The world can seem fantastic if everything's going right for you, or you have a way to frame things in in a positive light. This leads to my thought experiment. What if each individual person is their own universe, their own dimension of infinite possibilities and choices, and that you can reach into a whole nother universe by impacting someone else's life? We do have this power, and it has massive implications for that specific person's reality and existence. If we all spend time making a whole universe, a whole person's worth of potential experiences better, and we take that energy and we pass it along to the next universe and the next universe, imagine the momentum, the positivity, the wonderful world that we could build. It's this concept of bringing everybody up, of improving everyone's experience, giving as many people as possible a sense of fulfillment, actualization and importance, safety and comfort, friendship and love, To care about yourself and want these things for yourself is important, and if you're able to do that, you can understand how the next person over would want to feel just as good. 
To some degree, reality to us is experience, because if there was no one around to experience reality, it wouldn't really exist. Not from our perspective. In this way, if you can instill some positivity in your life and the life of even one other person at the beginning of your day, and based on my version of simulation theory, you've caused multiple universes and existences to have a good morning on purpose. The music today was by Scott Buckley, and you can find more information about the tracks that I used in the show notes. Today's episode was a little long, and while I do tend to ramble, this one in particular took me hours to get through. A lot of deleting, a lot of realizing that I had spoken for 15, 20, 30 minutes at a time, trying to go through that and figure out how to make it make sense. So, sorry (laughs) for the long episode, and if none of this really made a lot of sense. I'll take some time tonight and hopefully after getting some sleep, to condense this down, look at more of my notes for my reading from Descartes, and catch you in the next episode.